0: Uh, we are uh, we're glad to be able to take a, some time now and turn to God's Word. 2 Corinthians is where we are and have been for a, a few weeks, and will continue to be for a few weeks as we work our way through God's truth here. Again, this main overarching concept, Try to I know we've got busy weeks, busy lives, we probably don't keep this all in our mind throughout the course of the week, but main overarching theme is looking at receiving the ministry of Christ through the church, for life transformation. Okay, so that's a, an overarching theme in the book of 2 Corinthians. And we could scarcely get a better picture of what that transformation through Christ peace looks like than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, you can look, it's right there before our passage for today. We saw it last week, says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, going back to His creation work, that kind of power has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. It's not just a mystical thing. It's, it's rooted in knowledge and truth. Knowledge of the glory of God, God's uh, transcendence, His glory in His imminence, His nearness in the face of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that sounds like transforming work that God would do in our lives. And looking back a little bit further up, a couple of weeks ago, we saw at the end of chapter 3, starting in verse 17, what is this work of transformation? Now, the, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, so we now have this privilege of being able to know God more intimately, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being what? Transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we're seeing how God desires for us this transforming work to know his glory, to know him more intimately in the face of Jesus. All of these realities are laid out before us. But we see that the Corinthians and the church throughout history and us today uh, face obstacles. There's barriers that keep us from being able to experience all of that. That, ...that we might desire. And we've looked at several of those. I won't go back through those today. But today we come to uh, to one that I think is, is really significant... ...and is probably underlying a bunch of the other ones in this book of the Bible. And, and that is that the Corinthians and us sometimes, maybe often... ...have a misguided perception, misguided expectations of what we should be able to experience now in the Christian life versus what is available to us in the future in eternity. Maybe another way to think about it is that we need to ask, that one of the fundamental questions we need to ask, if we're going to understand and live the Christian life as mature believers, is what does God have for me already and what is not yet? Hey, that's a, a, a really important part of the Christian journey for us. And so, l- let me read to us our verses for today, where Paul addresses some of this, and then we'll pray, we'll watch a short little clip to introduce this theme, and we'll, uh, we'll dive in. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. In our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that his grace extends. To more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And listen to this last part. Again, we've been talking about God's sustaining power on this journey. Again, we see Paul using these words, so we do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we need your grace today. We need it to understand your word. We need it to apply it to our lives. We want your transforming work And we're here because we believe that that will come to us through Christ and in some connection with the body of Christ, your church. So, Lord, we pray today that you would help us to grab hold of those things that are for us and for us now fully. And you would also, Lord, teach us, as we sung earlier, Lord, to to await the things that are not yet for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got an opportunity here in just a, just a moment to watch a little uh, clip that's going to help us to, to understand some of what the Lord is doing. We're, I know we're... we're, we're maybe, maybe I'll take a minute to, to chat a little bit more about it. Okay, we got it coming up. You, you all are going to enjoy this clip, but let me go ahead and, and introduce a little bit about it. First of all, let me say this. One of the benefits of diving in deeply into the Scriptures the way that we have the last few weeks, is that we we do get to get into the the nitty-gritty of particular passages. One of the liabilities of that is that we can sometimes lose the forest for the trees, right? So one of the things we're wanting to do today is to come back to a theme that we've seen the Apostle Paul uh, touch on. Maybe we want to turn this line of lights off if we've got somebody in the back or can be in the back to hit those lights too so we can see. And we see that the Apostle Paul is really coming back to an overarching theme throughout 2 Corinthians. And uh, hopefully, this will help us illustrate a little bit of that if we're ready now.
1: Hey, Daddy, I want the Golden Goose. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart, all right. Daddy will get you a Golden Goose as soon as we get home. No, I want one of those. Wonka, how much do you want for the Golden Goose? They're not going to say Name the price. She can't have one. Who says I can't? one with a funny hats. I want one I want a golden goose gooses geeses I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter it will sweetheart for at least a hundred a day anything you say and by the way what I want a feast you ate before you came to the factory I want a bean feast oh, one of those Cream buns and donuts and fruitcake with no nuts, so good you could go nuts. You're going to have all those things and get home. No, now! I want a ball! I want a party! macaroons and a million balloons and performing buffoons and give it to me! <coughs> now! I want the world! I want the whole world! I want to lock it all up in my pocket It's my bar of chocolate Give it to me now I want today I want tomorrow I want to wear my like in my hair And I don't want to tear I want a party with roomfuls of laughter 10,000 tons of ice cream and if I don't get the things I am after, I'm going to scream. I want the world. I want the whole world. Presents and prizes and sweets and surprises of all different and sizes, and so now don't care. I want it now. Don't how I want it now.
0: She was a bad egg. <laughs> where'd she gone? Where all the other bad eggs go down the garbage chute. Oh, the garbage
1: chute. <laughs> Where does it lead to? To the furnace. <laughs> To burn it. Debbie <laughs> doesn't like us. What's it? Not well, necessarily. She could be stuck just inside the tube. Inside the tube. Hold on, Maruka. Sweetheart, Daddy's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there's a girl who wants what she wants, and she wants it now. And as we look at our passage today, we see that that's something not so much on a material level, the, the uh, video clip, of course, the journey through Charlie's uh, chocolate factory there. Not so much on a material level, but on a spiritual level. It's going to be hard, hard for us to grab hold of it first, but let me, let me explain it to us. That, that we have, the book of Second Corinthians identifies a, a form of spiritual greed. Is a form of Christian demandingness. And that is that we want the not yet already. And, and don't hear me wrong. It's not that there aren't some wonderful things, a lot of wonderful things, that the Lord wants to give to you and me right now. That we can have in relationship with Christ. We can have joy. We can have peace. We can have purpose. We can have clarity of direction. We can have deeper relationships. We can have a stronger identity. Uh, We can have growing righteousness in our lives, knowing that we're glorifying God. We can have all of those things right now. Those are things that we can begin to experience through God's means of grace. The challenge is that we want all of the heavenly goodies, if you will, right now. And the struggle is, is that some of those things are not yet for us. We're having to wait for them. We're in this fallen world. We're in fallen vessels, as we're going to see. And it means that even though we can pursue all of that and should pursue all that God has for us in this life already, there are elements of even our spiritual growth and certainly elements of our glorification that aren't going to come yet. And one of the key things that we can get adjusted and calibrated in our mind as believers is what does it look like to trust that God is going to bring the not yet in the future and when we demand that we have that now oh goodness it's a spiritual killer for us isn't it it is a spiritual killer for us in our relationship with God the theological term for this, if, we, if you want to jot down these kind of things, is uh, is overrealized. so brought in, realized ahead of time, or overly realized, eschatology. That's a big theological word for the things of heaven, the things of the end times. To put it real straightforward, we want to have dessert without eating our vegetables. We want retirement without a lifetime of work. Uh, we want the victory without the practice sessions. How does this play out in your life and mine? Okay, we're going to get, get to the heart of the issue with these questions, I hope. Certainly many of us at some point have asked this question. Why am I not physically better or healed or improved even though I've prayed for that, I've repented, and i put my faith in god why is that not here now for me others of, of us maybe in our journey in the christian life a struggle in our struggle with sin would say why even though am i making progress in my spiritual life i'm growing in grace i'm laying hold of god's truth and i'm beginning to walk with him more fully why am i still greedy why am i still angry Why am I still sexist? Why am I still lustful? Why am I still racist? Why am I still self-righteous? Why am I still worried all of the time? Why don't I have the not yet already? Others of us with uh, young ones or older children probably ask this question. Why aren't my kids on a better track, why aren't my children on a better track spiritually when I prayed for them, I'm loving them, and I'm seeking to help them see the gospel. Why isn't, it that, why isn't that happening? Why isn't the fullness of what I want, and it's good stuff that I want, actually, why am I not experiencing it now? Well, in our passage today, the Apostle Paul <clears throat> His message might be summarized in the main idea you can find in the back of your your worship guide. And it's just this, that since salvation is both already and not yet, we should lay hold of all that God has for us presently. Again, don't hear me wrong. (laughs) There's a lot we can embrace and should be seeking in this life, but we should also patiently await what remains. I'm going to emphasize that today because I think that's probably the harder heart for a lot of us. Look at these verses here in 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 7. The Apostle Paul, the first way he treats this topic is by talking about treasure in jars of clay. This is maybe the most recognizable part of this passage today that we perhaps have heard before. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power belongs to God and not to us pretty awesome promise that there is in fact this treasure. The gospel is incredibly valuable. I I thought about it this way. You know, I I don't know about your house, but in in the last number of years in my house, the uh, perfectly good container of the last uh, 50 years has been replaced. It's uh, entertaining to me in the area of environmentalism and hyper-environmentalism that the plastic bin has replaced the, the good old fastened, uh cardboard box. You know, you've probably got 50 plastic bins now storing stuff, but, uh, but it's interesting. My parents have been going through at my grandmother's house. You know, my, my grandmother last fall passed away, our last remaining grandparent between my wife and I, and so my dad's been going through the, the attic. They're preparing to sell the house, and so forth he was tell me the other day, you know, she's still got the, the, had the old school cardboard boxes up in the attic. And guess what he's finding inside some of those cardboard boxes, not just personal treasures, but he's actually finding these coins and he's getting online and he's trying to Google. And I imagine the, uh, the net value of all these coins is going to be about $8 and 53 cents. You know what I mean? That's what it's going to end up being. But, but I'll tell you what, If you if you see a for sale sign in the Peters yard and a for hire sign in the Cross Creek Church office, you'll know that Steve Peters found some unlikely treasure in in the cardboard boxes in my Graham's uh, attic. Cardboard box. The passage is basically saying that that's what you and I are (laughs) on the one level. We've got all this glory because we're created in the image of God. And as God works in our lives, it's amazing what can and does happen with us. On the other hand, the Corinthians kind of already know that. What Paul's trying to do is bring them back down to reality a little bit and say, you know what? We're jars of clay. We've got this awesome treasure in it, but we have limitations. He goes on in verse 8 and he explains some of these things. He said, we're afflicted, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed but not driven to despair we're persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed certainly he's talking about some of the actual physical issues that he dealt with on his ministry and he goes into these lists in various places throughout all of his writings we can look at some of them later actually in second corinthians but his purpose today in talking about these struggles as you can see is to remind them we're, we we only have so much that we are going to experience in this life we're going to be perplexed We're going to be afflicted as believers. We're not going to get away from that in this life. We have great promises of things to come, and we have God's presence with us now, but we're not going to escape those struggles or difficulties. So today, first question for you to consider is, am I embracing the reality, am I embracing the reality that even though I have the awesome treasure of the gospel, That it is, nevertheless, inside a fallen vessel, in a fallen world. By embracing that reality. Second thing we see in these verses, starting in verse 10, is this crazy idea. It's like... Paul is some sort of celestial pallbearer or something like that. Some sort of cosmic pallbearer. If you look at this verse, you probably saw it as we read through it. It just seems kind of crazy. Verse 10, he says he's always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Interesting here. Paul says in some sense he and you and I are lugging around with us not just the, the resurrection, not just the, the not yet. That's what the Corinthians know and want to talk about. <clears throat> but he wants to remind them and us we're bringing around with us the death of Jesus. The journey of knowing Christ involves sacrifice, involves suffering, involves challenge along the way. It's interesting, the word here for death in, uh, in verse 10, the death of Jesus, is not, there's a word thanatos, it just means kind of the moment of death. That person died. The word that the Apostle Paul uses here is, is one we don't actually, I don't know of any exact translation in English, but it refers to the whole process of declining in health, dying, and decomposing. That whole deal. So he's driving home his point. We're bringing around with us that whole process not just even the moment of it. He talks about it elsewhere in Scripture, and there's a lot of things that maybe Paul means by this. He certainly would hint at the kind of persecution we could face and even losing our life as believers. We don't face that threat much in our culture, but we know believers all around the world do regularly. But I think uh, his, his main point we can unpack if we look back at Mark chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 31. Mark chapter 8 in the Gospels. Starting in verse 31. Jesus is talking to his disciples. and says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. After three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter did what? you remember this? What a bold move. What a crazy move when you think about it. Took Jesus aside. Come over here with me, Jesus. Let I me... Mean, I don't know what kind of program you're on, Jesus, but let me square you up on how these things are supposed to work. What life is supposed to be like in the kingdom of God. Peter pulls him to the side and begins to rebuke the Lord Jesus. Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, "Get get behind me, Satan. Satan, You're not setting your mind on things of God, but the things of man. You want to know why this is important, what we're talking about today? If we're not understanding this correctly, we're setting our minds on the wrong things. Then he goes on and he says in verse 34, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But forever, whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. Do you believe that today? That's a hard one to believe, to really believe that that's true, because we want the not yet already. We don't like the idea that the journey with Christ is not only going to bring awesome and powerful joy and peace and strength and purpose, but it's also going to bring with us losing your life and my life, handing that into Jesus's hands so that he might strengthen us and pour out his work. That's what I think the Apostle Paul is getting at back here in Second Corinthians, if you want to turn back there with me. The last part of this passage that I, I want to focus on, I'm going to leave 16 through 18 because it gets. Uh, Garrett's going to be up here uh, preaching for us next Sunday, and I feel like I might be stealing a little bit of his thunder if I get too much into that one. Uh, but you can see, of course, the ongoing theme here about an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He's saying that exists, that is out there for us to enjoy. We're not going to experience all of it already. Some of it is in the not yet. So we're going to, I'm sure Garrett's going to walk us through some of that next week. Let's just take a look at verses 13 through 15 as we as we kind of bring the bring the plane in here for a landing. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus, the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and bring us into your presence. All right. So, big picture takeaway that I love from this is, you know what? If you and I link ourselves with Jesus, yes, uh, it's going to mean, according to what we've been looking at today, it's going to mean some struggle. It's going to mean being perplexed. It's going to mean going low. But when we go there, he raises us up with him. That's how we get there. We want to get there through a direct route. And the Apostle Paul's reminding us the only route, the only way to get there, is through the cross, and through the cross impacting our lives. And then I want you to see this, <clears throat> because I'm always intrigued when I look at passages of Scripture and I say, what in the world is this? I mean, where does this little random quote come from? What is Paul talking about? How does scripture fit together? You know, it starts to percolate those ideas. And he says in verse 13, look, look here with me if you're, if you're zoning out for a moment. Look here with me at, at verse 13. He says, I believed and so I spoke. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of anybody who knows where that's from. I had no idea where it was from. Apparently, according to the commentators, even the rabbis in Jesus' day, you know, there's a lot of quotes that the New Testament will use, that the rabbis were using. There's a lot of passages that were already quoted in the Old Testament, and they're quoted elsewhere in the New Testament. This one's very, very sparse. Look back with me, flipping your Bible to Psalm 116. This is really interesting to me, how the Apostle Paul will take just one little phrase and He's assuming we're going to connect it. We don't know our, our Bible well enough to do it, but a lot of those that were hearing him would have probably <clears throat> recognized this. Psalm 116. And look at what Paul is tapping into. In case you Again, in case you say, ah, I'm not sure, Pastor, that you're getting the right take on this message. Psalm 116. I'll just show you the, the verse, verse 10 to start with. It says, I believe... Even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. Interesting passage for a theme where the Apostle Paul is trying to emphasize the realities of the spiritual life that we're not yet going to be able to enjoy versus the ones that we do enjoy. And then look back at the beginning of Psalm 116. Verse 3, we'll start there. It says, The snares of death encompass me. I suffered distress and anguish. He's calling out to the Lord, it says in verse 4. And then in verse eight, for you have delivered my soul from death, I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And then down in verse fifteen, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, I am Your servant. I am Your servant, the son of Your maid servant. You have loosed my bonds. A bunch of other stuff in there you can unpack on your own time. Here's the point: the Apostle Paul uses one little phrase. And he wants us to go follow that thread and go find that passage and then unpack it and realize, wow, this isn't a new theme. It isn't a new concept. It's right here in Psalm 116. Struggle, difficulty, wrestling. And then he's going to call out to God. And God's going to meet him. And he's going to be able to be delighted to walk. And his life will be precious in the sight of the Lord. And his death will be And he'll be the servant of the Lord. That's what you and I are called to today. You know, when I do uh, premarital counseling with people, or for that matter, just regular marital counseling, but especially premarital counseling, as couples are getting ready to get married, I I have essentially one goal in mind. We can talk about communication. And we can talk about marital intimacy, and we can talk about extended family, and we can talk about finances, and all of those things will be important. But what I want to get at is expectations. Expectations are key. Because if I can help a couple realize you have this expectation for him, and he has this expectation for you, and to understand which of those are realistic could potentially happen, and which of those are pie in the sky are probably not going to happen, I think I can really help a couple get ready for marriage. Managing expectations is huge in relationships. What's the greatest relationship that we've got? Our relationship with God. And I think what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's trying to do a little premarital counseling for you and me. And he's trying to say, you know what? Expect awesome things from God, seek God powerfully, look for Him to work, but also understand the things that are not yet, that you're not going to escape struggle, you're not going to escape affliction, those things are going to be here until Jesus returns or until we go home to Him. Let's pray.